Hello and welcome to another episode of the Spirit of 2016 podcast. My name's Andy Bell, uh, joined as everybody look Niblock. Nib, thanks for coming on. Not a problem. Uh, so today we're doing a bit of a reaction podcast to the Holland 3 Northern Ireland 1 match. Uh, absolutely gotten to lose late on there. Uh, that'll be in the first half of the podcast. Second half we're going to do a bit of a playoff permutation special. Uh, so I understand that a lot of people are listening tonight uh, specifically for this and for a bit of an explanation. So pretty difficult to explain even over writing because nobody seems to know what's going on. But yeah, there's, even, yeah, there's <laughs> even things I'm not sure about with that. Yeah, but we'll get be, into that. It'll be a school school day for you as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but we'll, we'll we'll I'll try and talk through that and try and explain that as best I can. Um, so uh, let's just get straight into it. Look, Nayblock, is it the best five minutes of your life? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it was just pure. I couldn't believe it. I was actually watching the game on my phone, believe it or not. It was a pretty hectic moment um, when that goal went in because I just thought, there's no way we do this. <laughs> all the stuff we talked about in the podcast about us just not fancying us scoring at all. And then to see that goal go, go in, I was like, there's no way that's going to happen, surely. But part of me did think, I think you were a bit more positive about the game, yeah. thinking we can maybe hold on. Part of me just thought, we're just going to get an onslaught now of Dutch attacks, even though there'd been nothing all game. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just going to be cruel, a cruel result for us. And that's the way it turned out, you know. Yeah. So it transpired. I was I was in Lavery's actually for the game. Yeah. A massive crowd there. Really, really good atmosphere. There were about 20 Dutch people in front of us as well. Um, obviously very polite compared to us. You know, we were second half, we were pretty much singing the whole time. But um, no, they, it was a really good atmosphere there. And honestly, when McGuinness scored, like it is one of the biggest celebrations I've ever been in my life. Oh, yeah. I can only imagine. I mean, we've seen the videos coming out from Rotterdam, from oh, the away end there. And just limbs yeah. flying everywhere, beer flying everywhere. Ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was incredible limbs, yeah. Um, well, well, let's talk about the approach then in general, as we sort of like to do in these podcasts. Um, so it was, as we expected, compared to the Germany game where it was like more of a press, it was more with the view of creating two or three chances a half and getting a goal. This time it was more about containment. And as we sort of predicted, uh, it was very much a containment effort. I mean, we sort of had a look at the highlights, sir, uh, just to refresh our memory, because obviously we're recording this on the Tuesday night, and it was a Thursday night five yeah. days ago. So just for a bit of a refresh, we watched the highlights. Uh, the thing that struck us was 75 minutes in, there were maybe two or three highlights. And yeah. even at that, there were half chances. Half it felt chances. Like, it felt like Sky Sports were sort of trying to get some, yeah. just any highlights to make yeah. that video more than two minutes long. And from that perspective, I think Michael O'Neill has to take a lot of credit for that. Yeah, we definitely talked about this idea of the contain system for this game. And I think it was the right choice. I mean, that's kind of exemplified by the fact that we didn't see hi- a proper highlight in those highlights till the 75th minute, which is, I mean, it's ludicrous. So you go to Holland and you do that. That's just a fantastic job. And I think that's just credit to us. There will be some people from the outside that will look at that as a negative way of playing football. You know, we've, already, we've already heard about Ronald Koeman's we'll get comments. Stuck in them later, don't yeah, worry. we'll talk about Ronald Koeman. I mean, he was very critical of Northern Ireland's approach and Michael's approach to the game. But it, let's be honest, it is the approach that's required for a game like this when you know that a draw bringing them back to Windsor is an ideal situation for us, you know? So for me, it was the right way to go. And it's just, again, you know, some tired legs, some misfortune. You know, we were pretty unlucky to come out of that game. The way we defended, pretty unlucky to come out with three goals conceded. You know what I mean? So I think it was the right choice by Michael. And we did it so well, so efficiently. Midfield was just putting in so many legs. Runners were being covered. The channels were just being protected so well. And I just thought we were unlucky in the end. You know, I really did. 10 minutes ago, we were looking at a situation where if we held out one point against Windsor, at w- against yeah. Windsor, one point against Holland at Windsor, yeah. would have mathematically qualified us for what the tournament. night that would have been. And that, well. that would have been just incredible. Even a yeah. draw for having to win at Windsor. Can you imagine the atmosphere? Oh, I mean, I'm sure it's, that's still going to be a great night watching yeah. a world-class opposition there. But 
I just think maybe 15 minutes to go when we got that goal maybe it all became a bit real to our players and we mm. saw for example with the with the first goal that was the first time at like any Dutch player at any sort of space in our box we saw I mean it is a good touch and it is a good finish from Memphis Depay but I think a lot of that was A down to tired legs and um, with obviously not a lot of our players three or four of our players Lafferty Corey Evans George Saville not playing regular club football at the minute so asking them to do a, a mammoth 90 minute job is going to be quite difficult and naturally if you've tied her legs your passing is going to be slightly slightly further off you know it's going to be more difficult to even mentally stay concentrated as well as physically so I think that played its part could we could we have done anything more about those goals do you think from uh, uh, the Dutch goals the first one let's talk about that one yeah, I mean, good touch and finish, but yeah, it was it, the ball comes from the channel, doesn't it? it comes from I think Michael Smith's think flank. So. Um, yeah, you know, to me, it's again like you've already touched on. It is just tired legs. Like you saw that ball come in, it wasn't necessarily a, a really direct pass. It was just tired legs. Cathcart couldn't really stretch out to, to intercept. I think it was just the, the you know the culmination of all the effort that had been put in. You know, it all it was just being exerted in the first 75, 80 minutes. It, the guys were always going to be knackered chasing the ball. You know, I'm not sure what the like, possession stats were like, but I'm sure. No idea. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it was I just... Think it was, I, think it, I think that it came up midway through the second yeah. half or at some point in the game, and it was, as you'd expect, sort of in the 20s for yeah. us. Yeah, so. so, I mean, that's just, you're just chasing the ball all game against quality opposition. You're always going to be tired, and I think it was just a case of tired legs. And like you say, the situation becoming real. You know, mentally, you, you, you won the lop away in Holland, and you're like suddenly if we get a point at Windsor we're in the Euros yeah. so like you, their, their heads their headspace who knows what's going through at that point you know so it's just moments of quality from Holland as well we can't yeah. take away yeah. but you know tired legs these things happen in away games like this internationally you know especially with, with such a good opposition all you can really do is limit the chances you're never gonna keep them out for all match um it's pretty unprecedented what we did in keeping them out, keeping them to so little for so long. Yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, given the difference in quality there, the second goal. I mean, it is a it is a good ball in, but it is just a freak freak goal. Yeah, and strange. for me, there's been too much of this for us recently. We've had too much bad luck. Um, and just thinking about the, the playoff. I mean, there's you know a twenty like a ten percent chance we can get a home draw. We'll come on to that later. Maybe we've built all our luck up from the Nations League, yeah. where all these shots off the post, all these chances mm. missed. Um skewed shots going up in the air and landing yeah. in the net you know yeah. maybe we have just earned ourselves a bit of luck and yeah. maybe that'll just come in the playoffs oh yeah it was a freak moment wasn't it it yeah. was almost like it was like this really awful first touch or something from Luke de Jong and you know Ferguson kind of freezes but I, I think I mean even Johnny Evans kind of froze as well they just you would have assumed that ball's going over the bar out for you know a goal kick but it just sat right down and it's just such an awkward goal to watch yeah. and it's really painful to take as well yeah no, hundred percent. I I couldn't believe it. And as I say, in the bar there was when he when he originally puts that shot up in the air. I mean, everyone did the jeer as in it's gone over the bar here. Yeah, everyone and just thought, dropped. Yeah. yeah. As Shane Ferguson, you taking a wee bit of stick for it, but I think when you, it's one of those goals where when you boil it down into a slow motion replay and you see him just looking up in the air and not moving, it looks a lot worse than it is. In real time, everyone thought that shot was going over the bar, and maybe, okay, mentally, a top, top defender might have, might never take the chance, might always just get himself in just in case, yeah. but I think it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty harsh to be critical of anyone indiv yeah. individually, because mis with, the, with the effort we put in for those 90 minutes, mistakes were always going to creep into yeah. those last 10. I think anyone who's played like any level of football at all knows like it's really easy to freeze and kind of watch the ball in situations like that anyway. It's just like something that... Like, 
like it's like an instinctive thing for anyone to do when they're playing. So I don't really think you can look at Shane Ferguson there. You know, I thought he was pretty solid actually. To be honest, yeah, with I thought he was good. Anyone, yeah, and so. I mean, he forces our he forces our goal with that yeah. originally tricky yeah. ball from the left, which yeah. sort of caught out to Licht and yeah. Blint as well. Yeah, so. so I don't think you can take any anything away from from Shane really in that in that regard. You know, yeah, came in depu- deputized. Not, yeah, yeah, and he's obviously played a lot of football for us before, yeah, but yeah. isn't used to really playing at that level yeah. I mean he's never been a starter for Northern Ireland yeah. regularly certainly in any sort of era where we've been half decent yeah. so fair play to him coming in I thought fair play to Michael Smith as well I mean, he took a he's taking a bit of stick for the three goals coming down his flank but I mean it's it was one of those he was never really left exposed so yeah. and they were overloading as well yeah, exactly. as, you know and yeah. you have to target somewhere and yeah. for a guy who's played at hearts all his careers age 32 I don't think we can really be giving him any stick there no. I thought the fullbacks were well protected Michael did a good job and obviously identified that as somewhere where they could expose us and mm-hmm. I thought protected them quite well. Um, let's move on. I'll talk about the third goal. I mean, there's nothing we can really say from an, an analytical perspective. Yeah. It was one of those where, similar to the goal against uh, against Germany, the yeah, Canabry goal, the 2-0, goal. Yeah. They've, we've just had to push forward and go for a goal. And you yeah. know what? I'd rather lose these games 3-1 and have gone for it than, yeah. than 2-1. It makes it, makes it very difficult to qualify automatically now but via goal difference. But I don't think you can ever really take that into account. Try and get the points while you're in the situation yeah. to do so. Yeah. so no, there's to there's the third. nothing really to say about the third goal. It's just the same situation as Germany. I just kind of see it as like a 2-1 game. You know, <laughs> So yeah, not much to say on that one. It happens a lot. Okay, one of the selections that was very intriguing. I put a poll up beforehand on Facebook, uh, detail or asking whether it would be Josh McGuinness or Shane Lavery, thinking those would be the two, the only two options for Michael O'Neill. I mean, think we agreed that we both go Josh McGuinness, even though we do see him as more of an impact sub in the situation we were in with the Washington injury, with the Jordan Jones injury. We thought this guy has to start and do a job for us for sixty minutes, and then potentially bring on a Lavery or a Mc- or a Lafferty or a Boyce. I mean, it, the tactic was certainly from the perspective of tire these guys out for 60 minutes. And Kyle Lafferty barely touched the ball, but he did try his best to put himself about. And maybe if he had a bit more football in his legs this season, maybe if he got a bit of an earlier transfer, yeah. uh, he could have offered us a bit more. But, yeah. I mean, the tactic worked. Yeah, Certainly from... yeah, The tactic was to score a goal, and yeah. we did that. And it was the guy who came on. Yeah, ultimately, like, Michael nailed it. So, you know, Lafferty, for the first 60 or so, that he, he gave us exactly what Michael would have been after from Kyle. Um, and then again, he's, he's made a change and the change has worked. So on Michael's part, it's pretty perfect management, really. Um, and, you know, Kyle can do that role. He can play that role. We already know that. In terms of, a, you know, a raw finisher and a goal scorer, he's, he's obviously lost his touch and we know that as well. Mm-hmm. But for what Kyle gave it to us in the first 60 minutes, he definitely was part of that process in terms of containing Holland. You know, it, it all worked pretty well. And, yeah, we completely reduced him. So Michael really pulled it off with that one in terms of bringing Josh on and got that goal, obviously. So fair play. Completely agree. One. And yeah. Josh McGuinness won't thank us for saying this, but he is an incredible impact sub no, for us is. now. Yeah, he is. When you think of this group, he came on, I've, I know I've mentioned this over and over again, but he came on against Belarus, got the goal, got us an important goal. If we if we drew that match, that was qualification over before it even started. Yeah, that was. Comes yeah. on in Estonia, gets a couple of goals. I mean, his, his first goal's been given to uh, Connor Washington, but it should oh, be his. Yeah. Strange um, But he even still has got the second goal there, yeah. has won his points again, and again has come on there, tired legs, and used his this this physicality, this pace that everyone tells us about, that we but we never really see. Mm. We never really see him get out of third gear when yeah. he's running sometimes. So I mean, but, yeah, his goal was just like, such a class really I mean he was just classy in the air there no one really can, they, he couldn't even be contested that was his ball to be won and, and he did it and it was just you know cla- it just felt like it was like a classic Josh McGinnis off the bench moment like just yeah. comes on and finishes well and suddenly I was thinking you know we're 
going to the Euros. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, yeah. I think that's what the players were thinking as well. Yeah, I know. God. Well, um, that 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 was yeah. I don't even want to. I don't even want to think about. I, it. I don't even want to talk about it. It's just. It's just. But I think like even the way we're talking about it now, I think you do have to come out of these two big games against two huge nations and be happy. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, like I know it's kind of weird saying that, but like, what did we realistically expect going into the group when it was drawn? You know, in terms of what we've done in the group so far, we've done the job away and at home to Belarus and Estonia, right? Yeah. And then in these two games against Germany and Holland, we've really held our own and, and we've we've really frustrated these sides. Germany game, we already talked about it. It was a moment of class for the first goal that broke us down. And the Holland game, we went and scored first, like 74 minutes in or something like yeah. that. I mean, we really can come out of these two games with our heads, our heads held, um, like really high. You know, we've done justice, done real good justice for, you know, the performances we've okay. had, you know. And listen, in a playoff, and we're going to come on to talk about it later, um, we're not going to face a side anywhere near the quality of these two. We're still going to face good sides. We're still probably on the face of it going to face sides who are better than us. Mm-hmm. But we're this these four matches, the two matches which have gone, which we've certainly not disgraced ourselves. We've played well in both. Our tactics have been spot on in both, and the two matches still to come. I mean, that's really really good preparation. Mm-hmm. If we were playing Liechtenstein and San Marino and nations like that, no disrespect to them, that's that's maybe not the best preparation for a playoff in a, in a match where it's going to be it's going to be tough. If our last four international, if our last four competitive international matches are Germany home and away and Holland home and away. Just maybe when we come to play a Bosnia, when we come to play a Denmark, a Sweden, and Iceland, maybe we're gonna be a bit more prepared for that based yeah. on the the tests we've had, yeah. and hopefully by then, you know, our guys will have a bit more football in their legs and we'll be able to see that out. Yeah, no, yeah, no, I do agree with that. I think we should just be confident now. We should take positives from these games because realistically, I mean, we we're gonna talk about the Czech game obviously shortly yes. here as well. But these are the kind of maybe more the level of opponents we might get in a playoff. You know, we're gonna come into that in more detail, but. Yeah, only confidence to kind of take out of these games. We should really be looking at the positives rather than dwelling on anything because we've got a lot of football still to be played here. 100%, fully agree. Okay, so we are going to come on to talk about the Czech game, but first of all, after the the Holland match, uh, the day after, I put on the Facebook page uh, if there were any thoughts on the game and got quite a good reaction. So we're going to read a couple of the comments out just from listeners here. Uh, do you want to start us off? Yeah, so there's one here from Thomas McColgan, um, and it's, it's, a, it's a good comment. It's kind of what we touched on already. We can kind of just reinforce it with this comment. So he said, fantastic effort, tremendous discipline and hunger on show, and we definitely agree with that. However, we're seriously lacking on two fronts. Attacking threat, um, Lafferty's just not the same player anymore. He's yeah, gone, essentially. Yeah, and the ability to keep our fitness levels going for 90 minutes, which is an interesting point because we have seen in these two games that, you know, later on we've we've looked a bit, you know, knackered. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, in the Germany game, it was a very intense press. Yeah. And in the Holland game, it was very much about containment. Mm-hmm. So two different kind of levels of, of performance there, yeah. but I've all ended up kind of being a bit tired by the end of two it. Di- two different ways in which the legs have gone. Yeah. I, think, I, mean, I think it is a good point for Thomas yeah. makes. Um, it's not necessarily like a f- well, it is a fitness thing, but it's not like our lads can you know go away and you know start running miles you know, every know, day. Know, yeah. It's more of a case of just the fact it's match fitness. It's the fact they're not playing yeah. at the minute. Yeah. And Michael's put so much emphasis on this with every transfer that he's been asked about. For example, Kyle Lafferty, he wasn't convinced about the level he was playing at, but he said the main thing for Kyle is getting minutes. And I think it's the same. I mean, you look at the guys we brought on, Tom Flanagan, who was brought on as like an extra center half. You can argue until you're blue in the face as to whether that was a right move tactically or not. But this is a guy who hasn't played a lot of football. Corey Evans and George Saville, who both of which I thought were very good against Holland, especially George Saville. Yeah, I thought I, Saville I mean, was great. I thought he had one of his best performances yeah. in a Northern Ireland shirt, and he's had some good performances for us. Mm-hmm. I thought he was really good. Kyle Lafferty, as we say. 
Uh, even Ferguson has only come into the Millwall side recently, so hasn't exactly got a, like a, a really big level of match fitness behind him. So I think it's just one of those things. If there's one thing we can hope for before the playoffs, it's that a few more of our players get into their club sides. Mm-hmm. And pr- playing like that, the way they did against yeah. top opposition, certainly won't Yeah, uh, I think the way to talk about them. that issue is just, yeah, like you said, there's a match fitness thing at the club level. That's essentially what we can boil it down to yeah. in that one. Um, but you know, credit to them for the effort that was put in, the application that was put in. But it is like a match fitness thing, I think, yeah. essentially, in that one. Yeah. Okay, next comment uh, comes from Thomas Campbell. Uh, he says, Tactically superb from Michael. Uh, he let their defence have the ball and took their creative midfielders out of the game. Unfortunately, Josh scoring, he seemed to kick them up a gear, but sometimes you just got to hold your hands up and applaud the moments of class. We can still be frustrated with a couple of their goals, but it shows how far we've come. And I think that comment's pretty spot on. We can yeah. pretty much wrap up the, the podcast there. I know. It's, Especially. Yeah. They, they're creative midfielders. I mean, we talked about Frankie de Jong, Jeannie Van Alden, uh, Martin Darun. Uh, we said maybe the third midfielder isn't, hasn't got quite the same quality. And we maybe said they weren't as good on the ball, technically, as the Germans we came up against last month, the likes of Cruz, the likes of Kimmich. But as we've seen, I mean, Jeannie Van Alden, this campaign, while he plays a sort of different role from Holland uh, when he plays for Liverpool to when he plays for Holland, Scored a lot of goals for them. As I think it's five goals so far this campaign, which is an amazing return from a midfielder. Mm. Paddy McNair-esque. Um, yeah, you'd say so. And Frankie de Jong just has that amazing quality. Maybe not an attacking yeah. player, but certainly on the ball, he's, he's yeah. very good. So, yeah, t- took, managed to take them out of the game, especially yeah. when you've got like two fullbacks playing there mm. who could have potentially been exposed. That could have left a bit of space in midfield. Yeah. And again, playing Corey Evans and George Saville, Davis and McNair, like four centre midfielders in there. Obviously not all playing that position, but all have central midfield tendencies yeah. I think that was another masterstroke from Michael and that's something that we could see especially you know, if we do in a playoff we do play the likes of a Bosnia or somebody like Pjanic who, who has uh, such amazing quality in the ball I mean, we know how to nullify these guys yeah. we've done it I think yeah. it is a great comment from Thomas, to be fair. I think it is like a good way of outlining that positive mindset yeah. that we feel like we should be taking into these next um, games of football that we're going to be having because they're, they're so important, these games, and, and it's a good way to look at it. You know, I do agree that the, the Josh goal did kick them up a gear, of course. It would, yeah. you know, Holland suddenly realised that the situation that they're, they're coming to and they're obviously going to overload, send the fullbacks flying. Like, that was going to always, it was always going to happen. But I definitely agree with him saying tactically superb from Michael because... Let's be honest. Everything he really did as a manager in that in that game tactically was was pretty spot, spot on. on. I, I can't really find a fault in it. So it is just moments of quality from elite players that play week in, week out at top level clubs. It's that's the difference. I think that's the two things: are elite players and week yeah. in, week out. Yeah. If we can get week in, week out, we'll be able to compete with these guys. Yeah. So that's the, yeah. So great comment from Thomas yeah. as well. There. Yeah. Next okay. one. Next one. We're going to another one. Um, got one from uh, Stuart Niley here. So it's just saying it was absolutely gutting to leave. Um, that with the winning goals and injury time we played brilliantly and we are far cry from thinking a draw with Austria is a good result I have no fear of the Dutch at Windsor so yeah. again we're talking about uh, having a positive mindset like mm. we've Michael's really transformed this team over the past few years for us you know we're not not just in certain sense of getting us to the Euros you know you know in 2016 but just the way we look at games now before we play them you know there's just a, an amazing mindset as fans and for me like as a United fan it's been such a blessing in a footballing sense to have Northern Ireland under Michael at the same time as the post-Fergie era because it's made football bearable for me, you know, and Michael's really just instilled a positive mindset in so many people and he's brought so many people together in so many different ways as a manager as well. And I think that that comes from Stuart kind of really illustrates that, you know, yeah. we, we look at results differently now, we look at opposition differently now 
Um, and it is a different mindset and it's a mindset that's going to really help us going into playoffs and yep. things like this. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and I think what he, what he says and what a lot of people have been saying about how far we've come, and I mean, it's an obvious point. You don't need to be a genius to look at the 2012 campaign compared to the last four years for Northern Irish football. But it is true, you know, we, we can say that while we aren't beating these teams yet, we're not, you know, getting results against the higher nations. Um, and I, I think what you say there about uh, us changing uh, as a team, I think it's also Michael changing as a manager. The thing we have to remember is this guy's a young manager. His only job really before before us, I think his only job was Shamrock Rovers. And he took this, you know, early 40s. Uh, over, the, over eight years as a manager, just like a young player does, you're going to learn, you're going to improve, you're going to um, refine your tactics. And I think, I think what we've seen is, I think Michael's ditched the whole completely negative approach that we've sometimes seen away from home or even at home in games you know where he's maybe tried to be a bit too clever you look at Poland in the Euros was quite negative you look at uh, Switzerland at home in in, in the playoff um, and games like that where it has cost us and we've had to come out and try and rectify that and I think he's sort of learned that we actually while we don't have quite the quality or quite the players playing week in week out we can have a positive mindset and won't get thumped by these teams. Mm. And I think that's just so encouraging as a Northern Ireland fan, knowing that we're going to now be taking the game to these teams in every match. Yeah, it's such a, it is such a far cry, mm. you know, as, as Stuart says, from, from what we've seen as, as young Northern Ireland fans kind of growing up on, you know. So it's, yeah, it just be positive going into these games because, I mean, I'm really looking forward to recording more podcasts and, mm. and really honing in on these playoffs games Absolutely. because that's the way it should be for us now. It's, it's a different mindset. Yeah. It's a different country in a footballing sense. And it's just, it is, it's great to be around, you know, especially, you know, yeah, for, for people of all ages, really, you know, yeah. to, to see this. Absolutely. It's great. It's, it's, a gr- it's great for, for kids sort of growing up, maybe yeah, like half definitely. a generation down for us because... Yeah. I mean, we were certainly Worthington. <laughs> yeah, Worthington. I <laughs> said <laughs> so we had. We we were certainly we were certainly pretty bleak about the thought. I remember having conversations with you, you know, eight ten years ago, saying, "Will we ever see our team play in a major tournament in our lifetime?" Yeah. And that was a genuine that question. Was that, yeah, that was not a ridiculous thought at the time that we would never see our team play in a major yeah. tournament, and it was a depressing thought. Mm-hmm. But now I'm thinking you know, we can qualify for any major tournament. If we keep this manager and keep this team together and keep bringing through these young players, yeah, young players keep yeah. recruiting players, yeah. um, as we have been doing very well. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, <grand>. <laughs> <laughs> Just absolutely banged the elbow <laughs> off the table. Off <laughs> 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 so yeah, no, so that's, uh, so that's encouraging. Last comment, uh, and there were some great comments on here. I'm sorry I couldn't read them all out, um, but I know some of you are waiting for me to talk permutations. Comes from Wayne Lewis. Uh, what was Ferguson doing for the second goal? If he moves two yards onto the, uh, the goal uh, goal line while the ball is in the air, then we get out of there with the point that we so desperately needed. If the Dutch don't get that second goal, then they're more than likely don't get the third. Such a sh- soft, characteristic goal, uncharacteristic goal to give away. Uh, we sort of touched on that. You know, maybe maybe it is a fair point. Maybe you, know, you do at this level just have to have that mindset of take no chances. But I don't want to. I don't want to hammer Shane too much because I no. thought given the circumstances, given that he hasn't really been playing, mm-hmm. sort of been playing out of position because he does, he's he been playing left midfield for Millwall rather than left back. I think it, it, it is a, a bit tough on him, but certainly yeah. you can understand the frustration. Yeah, there's definitely an argument there, you know, and I do understand the idea, you know, if that second goal doesn't get in, we can hold on to that that point, you know, but yeah, I think to to, to criticise Shane too much, it just, I think he, he did put in a good performance, you know, Shane's coming in ultimately to a position he doesn't necessarily play anymore really and, and to, to come in and try Phil Jamal is, you know, yeah. it's not easy to do. And he, he came in and he, he did a great job in, for, for most part of the game, you know. So, yeah, I, I think it's, I can understand the comment, um, but I just thought Shane, 
put in a really good performance actually on the, on the night yeah yeah but definitely can understand the comment yeah, one totally. comment one comment i can't understand is ronald Koeman coming out and i haven't actually got exactly what uh what he said yeah. in front of me here so we'll be paraphrasing a little bit but uh sort of just came out and said uh we played terrible football and not good to watch well our, our job is not to entertain ronald Koeman. i mean was there any point in that game where you thought oh i'm gutted we're not playing good football here or i'm gutted that we're maybe going long a bit too much no, because football is a results business and we're not there to sort of open up to Holland and entertain their yeah. fans. We're there to get a result and we very nearly did. He actually used the term outrageous to describe the way we played. Um, he said terrible to watch. Um, and Michael kind of responded to that, you know, and he said it's just a lack of class really from Ronald, yeah, you know, which absolutely. it was, you know, because I think Michael said there, I think you have to give respect to opponents and how they play. Mm-hmm. It's essentially a bit of respect from Michael, really. If you're picking players from Juventus and Barcelona and Liverpool, yeah, you can play in a certain way. But at the end of the day, if we were so terrible, why were we so difficult to beat? And clearly, we're, we're extremely difficult to yeah. beat. You know, it's disappointing that a manager of that class and level feels the need to say that, but it's not something we need to dwell on. Yeah. And Michael's hit the nail on the head, really, with that. He's responded perfectly, as Michael normally does. Yeah, um, and and it, yeah it was just very... classy response from Michael. Classy response. I'm not sure, response, not sure yeah. if, I, if a microphone was stuck in my face after that comment was made, that yeah. I would be quite yeah. so classy. Just disregarding kind of all the work Michael's kind of put into the game. And Michael's approached the game in the perfect manner. And for someone to come out and say that, a fellow manager mm-hmm. at the international level to come out and say that, as someone of Ronald Koeman's name and stature mm-hmm. as well, it's just, it's not, it's just really out of poor taste, yeah. I thought. So, yeah, yeah. strange comment. I understand but frustration, but you have to direct that at your own players yeah. for not breaking us down for 80 minutes and mm-hmm. being three minutes away from yeah. potentially not yeah. qualifying for. Yeah. I just don't know really where that level of arrogance or entitlement comes from from him. Okay, he's a decent enough manager. He's obviously yeah. a decent enough manager to get the Holland show, but I mean, for somebody talking about poor football, ask Everton supporters about his football. Yeah. Everton. <laughs> Sam Allardyce had to come in and save them. Yeah, I think somebody right. made the comment on there. I can't remember who it is. I'm sorry, whoever's listening. Yeah, uh, said I'm an Everton fan, and it speaks volumes that this guy had to be hounded out and Sam Allardyce here yeah, to save literally. us. That's how bad his football was. Mm. That Sam Allardyce was actually like an, an yeah. upgrade. So I have respect for Ronald Koeman as manager. I think he's a good manager, but you know, hang on a second here. You mm. you you haven't achieved anything in management yet. Yeah, you know, you were you had did a good job at Southampton, sacked at Everton pretty lucky to get the Holland job I mean yeah. would he have got this job if they hadn't, hadn't not qualified for no, the last two tournaments fell on this place but yeah. yeah yeah I think ultimately though that Michael said we don't even have to really give it much respect the comment we have to even really think about it because it's ultimately not that important to us and it's pretty irrelevant in the grand scheme of things we can kind of ignore that because we know we came into that game with the right tactical setup and that's all that matters really who cares what Ronald says at the end of the day because we're focused on our goals you know, and so, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a comment out of frustration at how he, he, his, his side tactically found it so hard to yeah. break down Michaels. He's probably yeah. just frustrated at that. You know, his tactics weren't necessarily um, prevailing, you know, in the way he would have liked. So, well, very, very poor. I genuinely do think that for an argument there. And I'm not one for sort of full outrage. I'm not the type of person that's going to throw the toys out of the pram over any stupid thing that a manager says. But I did think that was really poor yeah. taste. Yeah. Um, and, but you know what? Maybe at Windsor Park, we can pin that comment to the dressing room wall and use that as, as, motivation uh, to go out and give his his side a hammering at Windsor so who knows there you go (laughs) that'll be interesting Uh, okay Uh, quickly want to touch on the check game because we're going to do the podcast before this and weren't even going to touch on it at all so just because we've finally got our first away win in 13 years in a friendly doesn't mean we're going to talk about this forever Um, I know you haven't actually seen the full match yourself yeah uh, yet you've seen the highlights but um, good results Czech Republic are a good side they're ranked similar enough to us if not above yeah. us they're guys who qualify for major tournaments they're, they're they beat england 
very on you know only three days ago yeah. and i know there were changes from the side i know in fact there were more or less the whole side was changed but i mean there were still guys like the goalkeeper playing his first choice for Werder Bremen in yeah, the Bundesliga. Yeah. Still guys who would walk into our team. Yeah. And I just thought it was it was to be three yeah. 0 up at half time. Yeah. And I know they made changes at half time uh, and had a couple of quick fire goals which we could have maybe te- maybe defended better. But to score three goals and get a win, yeah. even in an international friendly, um, certainly needed that after the disappointment of Rotterdam. It just yeah. just sort of takes us out of this international break in a, in a fe- with a feel good factor now. Mm-hmm that's the most recent memory in our heads and mm. we can take that into the next yeah. two matches well obviously I missed I'm, I, was, I was actually playing at a gig last night I missed the game but I mean in classic highlights fashion I can safely say that Paddy McNair is the new Kevin De Bruyne <laughs> um, he's literally the, he's better than Kevin De Bruyne yeah. like he just is he's better that, than that, Zidane that, as well that doesn't rhyme with a song yeah he's, way, also, so he's better than Zidane of course yeah. but we'll put Kevin De Bruyne as okay. well for a contemporary uh, if, comparison if, any, if anyone can change the last line of the song <laughs> to make it rhyme with Kevin better De Bruyne than De Bruyne <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But honestly, in all seriousness, yeah, Paddy just sh- showing again his class. Like, I, I, I we love this guy. We yeah, we do. Love we do. Him. We do. And the, the moment, just running through on goal for the third. I thought that was so incredible. Like, just seeing Paddy McNair bearing down on goal, mm-hmm. pay, outpacing centre half and slotting it. You know, taking it past the keeper and slotting it. Like, this guy is just such an amazing player for us at the minute. And we, I really hope he gets a, like a Premier League move as well I'm just excited for this guy to develop now in he's midfield been, he's been linked to a Premier League move in the last couple of days has been very good for a, a struggling Middlesbrough side this season he's been definitely the shining light has scored a few goals for them I think he mentioned in his own post-match interview that in 29 matches before last night he only had, had one goal so <coughs> excuse me the lads were giving him a bit of stick over that so I mean this is a guy we don't have strikers who score goals regularly so we do need our midfielders to sort of come into it a bit more we do need guys to chip in more than the, normally the onus would be expected of them mm-hmm. so it was just a positive from that perspective yeah yeah and, and <coughs> we have to remember like Steve Davis <coughs> has never really been a goal scorer himself so you know when you when do need goals from the likes of Paddy McNair like we look at George Savile he's not really a goal scorer either you know Corey Evans isn't a goal scorer for obvious reasons yeah. Um, so we do need some goals and I think Paddy McNair is the most likely to just from a raw technique perspective he is one of those players that probably could provide you with you know three or four goals over a campaign, you know, in terms of qualifying. So we need Paddy to keep doing that. And I just think he's going to keep improving, to be fair. You know, I yeah. think he's going to get better and better. And that excites me a lot because he's going to be pivotal for us in the next 10 years, you know. Definitely. Yeah. And just one last comment on the Czech game. Steve Davis overtook Steven Gerrard to become the fourth most capped British player of all time. 116 international caps. That's amazing. That is, yeah. You know, some stats are... Are are, gen- are manipulated to sort of make people look better than they are, but that is an outrageous stat. That's incredible. He has nine more caps before he is the most British, is most capped British footballer in history. And this guy is yeah. the absolute quintessential yeah. definition of the word legend. Yeah, no, he really is. Like you just have to speak. You, you cannot, you know, avoid the word legend. I was speaking about Steve Davis. He's just been such an incredible servant for the for the country. Never once really been out of line with a comment he's made anything he's he's just been such a, a you know such a classy player for us and servant for us mm-hmm. and it's just an honor really to see him hit that number i'm so happy for him you know to yeah. do that he's been an incredible captain for us as well on and off the field the guy's just oozes class you know on the field off the field yeah love the guy so fair play to and especially on the field i mean he's such a classy character off it that we yeah. can forget just how good he's this guy great, is like four years he put us on his back and yeah, carried us literally. through some of the worst times from irish football yeah. i mean the qualifiers for euro 2016 where he was just up, just his level of performance yeah. was absolutely ridiculous yeah. to play in the premier league f- consistently for so long and yeah. 
he is one of the more underrated players in the Premier League. I mean, people probably see a Northern Irish guy, not too fancy a name. I know that's sort of like a bit of a a, a strange comment to make, but it definitely does def- no, play true. into some people's minds. True. And I mean, this guy, the question I would ask is, is he the best Northern Irish player in our lifetime? Because the other the other player obviously there is David Healy and he broke all sorts of goal-scoring records. Mm. Um, but in terms of quality... And consistency and as consistency well, and doing a it, long time. You is, know. It, is it Davis? I mean, Healy gave us some unforgettable moments, and Davis maybe, I mean, scored two goals to qualify us for the Euros, but hasn't provided those goal-scoring moments as much. But in terms of a regular, consistent performer, I think he's maybe the best player yeah, I've ever seen has, for Northern I, Ireland. I would definitely say Steve Davis. I don't really, I, yeah, I would actually, I would say it's clear, clearly Steve Davis for okay. me personally. Like Healy's got some amazing memories, of course, when I was younger. But I, I, I'm just, I see Steve Davis ninety minutes, you know, and it's at an, a, an age now where I can kind of really analyze his game and see what he does across the ninety minutes, and he just offers so much to us, you know. So. You know, we've been through the highs and lows with Steve. He's been through so much on this journey. And, you know, what a legend. Yeah. What a legend for Northern Ireland. Incredible. And let's just hope we can get him another major tournament. Yeah, um, yeah. He's going to get nine more caps for us. Unless yeah, he decides to take a sort of early retirement. Uh, early retirement, I say he's, he's 34. If he takes a decision to go and spend yeah. some time with his family now, absolutely, yeah. you know, fair play. Yeah. But this guy can easily become the most cap British player of all yeah. time. And when you look at some of the players in that list, like Wayne Rooney, Steven Gerrard, Peter Shilton, Pat Jennings is in there. Yeah, I mean, that's this guy. And I, I know, okay, if he wasn't, if he wasn't from Northern Ireland, maybe he wouldn't have got the same caps. But he certainly would have got international caps for England the way he was playing. Yeah. Especially if the hype around English players was sort of moved on mm. to him. So I just, yeah. I just love Steve Davis. Man. He's around really names ingrained in like you know football folklore. No, that's incredible. He's just, he's. There's no way you can not use the word legend. If you look at even like what people around like Southampton football club say about him. Uh, Virgil van Dijk in his interview after the game was calling him Davy and all. Yeah. I, I think he's got a real presence in the dressing room as well. And I just think everybody knows he's such a model pro. Mm-hmm. And yeah, f- what an icon. Love him. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, playoff time. So uh, a lot of people have tuned in tonight to talk about playoff permutations. Uh, how long have we got? Uh, how long have we done? Sorry, do you know? Um, just so I like just don't know. 32, Okay, so I'm gonna do. You can do sort of ten minutes on this, or yeah. maybe slightly more. Yeah. Um, if you're happy enough. So, um, okay, I'm gonna take this from from the from the idea that you guys know absolutely, like basically that you're you're not sure what sort of constitutes a playoff. Maybe you know that we're likely to get one. I'm gonna try and explain to you exactly what we need here. Um, so to get a playoff itself, so. We finished 24th ranked in the Nations League. League A was had 12 teams in it. League B had 12 teams in it. And they're ranked based on who finished first, second, third in respective groups. Then points and goal difference. Obviously, we get no points in the Nations League. Pretty unlucky. So we're ranked 24th. So for us to get a playoff, we need 16 of the 23 teams ranked above us in the Nations League to qualify automatically, i.e. finish in the top two of the group. So we need 16 of them. So how likely is that? Well, 14 of the 16 have either already qualified or are guaranteed that one of the teams qualified. And the only reason I have that caveat in there is because there's groups like uh, France, Turkey and Iceland uh, who all finished above us in the Nations League. So we don't know exactly, France, Turkey and Iceland, which two of those will qualify. But we do know it's going to be two of the three. So either way, whichever two of the three it is, it's still going to add to two of those 16 because they all all finished above us. Right, okay. So... 14 of the 16 teams have already qualified. Now, I'm going to give you some scenarios here that I'm going to assume are going to happen in the next two uh, rounds of international fixtures. And you can tell me, okay, no, that's not a guarantee. Uh, we, we can't say we're guaranteed a playoff yet. Okay, so 
To, qual- to add another one to make it 15 out of 16, Austria need one point from either Macedonia at home or Latvia away, who have lost all eight matches so far. Yeah. Is that guaranteed? That's guaranteed. So we can add Austria. Yeah. 15 teams out of 16. Yeah. So we need one more team to qualify automatically that finished above us. Okay. Okay, so Portugal, if they beat Lithuania at home and beat Luxembourg away, they qualify. I mean, yeah. <laughs> okay. Like that's, it's yeah. going to happen. Like. And even if they do somehow bottle one of those games, Serbia would still have to beat Ukraine, who are absolutely flying in that group. Yeah, Ukraine are going so, nuts, yeah. So are we happy to say that 16 out of 16 teams already qualified? Has and to be. in March, we're doing a podcast yeah, has for to playoffs. Be. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's going to so, happen. Yeah. Like those, Austria are going to get a point. Portugal are going to beat those two. Yeah. Even if they don't, Sweden are a, a point ahead of Romania. Uh, Romania still have to play Spain, so unlikely that Romania will go ahead of Sweden. That could be another team. Uh, the Czech Republic are a point ahead of Kosovo. Still have to play them at home. If they beat them, they're qualified as well. Um, to f- uh, Hungary are a team who could potentially sort of uh, kick out a couple of teams above us, but they actually need to go to Wales and win to have any chance of qualifying. So there are just the, the crazy level of results that it would take for us not to get a playoff now isn't even worth thinking about. And I don't want to jinx it. And I know that things can go against us, and especially with the luck we've had, both on and off the field, uh, in the last couple of years, starting with the Nations League. Um, it's 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 not going to happen. We will be we will be getting a playoff. So I think what what more most people are sort of interested in now is who we might play. So I'm going to try and explain this, and this is where it gets complicated. So there are so in League B, so there's four pathways, and they do the draw from the bottom up. So League D, I mean, none of them are going to qualify anyway. So it's a simple draw. Same with League C, although Finland and Hungary are in there, so some teams may have to come up. So we will we are naturally in pathway B, uh, with all the other League B teams. So obviously, like a lot of playoffs, for example, in League A, who are all guaranteed a playoff, their places fill right the way down. So if there are exactly four teams who don't qualify for automatically, exactly four, then we're guaranteed to play Bosnia away if they don't qualify, okay? So Bosnia away is the most likely fixture at the moment. If there are more than four teams, this is where it gets complicated. So at the minute, the teams uh, who are ranked above us, uh, who are not going to qualify, who are not in qualifying spots, are Bosnia, Wales, the Republic of, Ar- uh, the Republic of Ireland, of Ireland will, will fall down as well, Slovakia and us, okay? So there's five teams in there. Now, one of those teams in that situation where there's five teams and only four uh, places in League B, in that situation, one of those teams would be pushed up to League A and would have a home playoff against a League C side, potentially Bulgaria, Israel or Romania. So there is maybe like a 10-15% chance that we could have a far, far, far easier draw than Bosnia away. And in that situation, then it would be Iceland who don't look likely to qualify and they look like the only League A team. And it would be Romania who'd be brought off from League C based on the fact that they don't want hosts to clash. So uh, they, if where they can avoid it for the draws for the playoffs, they will not have two host nations in the same in the same group. So for example, uh, the Republic of Ireland would stay in League B because they're the only host there. And Romania would be pushed up to League A to avoid the Republic of Ireland, to avoid mm-hmm. two team, two host nations playing. Right. Are you confused? No, no, no. That is, <laughs> you've explained it well there. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's making it so a bit clearer. So if there are exactly four teams, say... Um, Bosnia, 
And let's actually predict it based on the grip so far. So Bosnia really don't look like they're going to qualify now. They're five points below Finland in second. Finland still have to play Liechtenstein at home. I think we can fairly safely say Bosnia aren't going to qualify. Yeah. So if Bosnia don't qualify, there is about, I'd say, an 80% chance that we will be away to Bosnia in a semi-final wow, okay, of a playoff. Yeah. So which Bosnia is tough. looks very likely away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the only other way that we can avoid that is if there is another team from League B who doesn't qualify, making that five teams, meaning one team has to leave Pathway B into A, where we will be with Iceland, ourselves, and two League C teams. So, I mean, definitely have to hope for that, don't we? Yeah, that because would be that, the ideal I, one. I would back us 100%. Oh, definitely. The Bosnia away one just seems like a little banana skin one yeah. to me a little bit. but like a game Especially like considering that. they've beaten us twice in the last year. Yeah, it would go back to the unlucky times of, <laughs> of that. Yeah, the EuroLeague. But, yeah. I mean... I don't know. I think to me, Bosnia away. I know that looks the most likely. I think it's a much more positive mindset going into that one than it was a year ago. Yeah. So I, I would still go into that game. I don't know if I speak for a lot of Northern Ireland fans when I say this, but I would still go into that game with a quiet confidence that we could get through that and get to the next stage. I really do think we could pull off a result there. It would have to be another fantastic away performance. Yeah. Um, but I do think We've we got could it do us. it. We've got it in us 100%. So... I don't think it's all doom and gloom if it's Bosnia away, which is mm-hmm. obviously is looking likely because who knows? Bosnia, it's not exactly, they're not a world-class team. Mm-hmm. We know they've got some real world-class quality in little sprinkles, but you know, it, it's, it takes a moment of genius from like a, mm-hmm. a Miralem Pjanic, yeah. for example, you know, yeah. maybe that, hopefully it's not another moment of genius that beats us, you know, mm-hmm. and something like that, but I'd be quietly confident, you know, for Bosnia. Maybe, I, maybe I'm getting too far ahead of myself, but... I think I would be. You're okay. a bit more apprehensive about it. Yeah, I think I'm a bit nervous about it. I just want to make a, a caveat that I didn't make before. Uh, people might be asking, well, if there's five teams in League B, why can Bosnia be pumped up to League A yeah. and get the easier playoff? So because they won their Nations League group, if you win your Nations League group, you stay in that pathway. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's only for people who are down below right. who will get potentially bumped up to League A or from League C up to League B so Bosnia will be in that pathway and if we are in that pathway we play them because they're the highest ranked team in League A and League B and we're the lowest ranked team so it's if there if there's four teams we're guaranteed to get them if there's five teams we have a one in three chance of getting pushed up so uh, I mean I, I would be worried about Bosnia away uh, the thing with Northern Ireland in a one-off game I am worried about individual quality and if you look down the Bosnia team, maybe you know, you know Njaku, you know Miralem Pjanic, mm-hmm. you maybe know Kolasinac, but yeah. you look at the other eight players, I couldn't tell you who any of them play for. I couldn't tell mm-hmm. you who any of them are. However, I would rather play, for example, a Turkey who have no world-class standout player. Maybe a better team than Bosnia. Maybe would beat Bosnia seven or eight times out of ten. Yeah. But I would back us to tactically get it right against a team like that. Mm-hmm. I would back Michael O'Neill against any of those other managers, whereas against Bosnia, you know, we can we can get it spot on for eighty five minutes, and Ed and Jacko can have two moments of class, yeah, and that can beat us and that can knock us out, and that's something we've seen before. We saw it in the Euros with Gareth Bale. We matched Wales the whole game. Gareth Bale comes up with a moment of quality. Mm-hmm. Um, I can I'm sure there are other examples that I can't think of off the top of my head. Yeah. Even the last two matches with the likes yeah. of the pie, yeah, these and the likes players. of yeah. yeah. That, so. Yeah, it's a good point to raise on that one. Like these moments of quality, do we have the same kind of moments of just prestige quality that can win a game? Um, not necessarily, but I, I do think I'm more confident than you on the Bosnia one. I just have a feeling with Bosnia away that we could go and do it. 
I just I, I'm just much more positive at the minute about Northern yeah. Ireland than I was a year ago. You know when when those games against Bosnia were just a bit of a nightmare to be honest with you to watch. But uh, yeah, I, I'm going into it with a with with positivity. Mm-hmm. You know, like a lot of the comments echoed as well on the Facebook page. You know, yep. I think it's a good w- it's a good way to be thinking for a playoff. You know, there's okay. no point going this thinking about a year ago. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's a, it's a new look side really in many ways since then. You know, yeah. so. I think maybe where some of my perceived negativity comes from is because there are 24 teams in the European Championships out of what, like 50, 56 European teams. And I know we're, but like to such an extent, good enough to be in those 24 teams. Yeah, definitely. And we've just been screwed over by this horrible draw. I know. And that's a frustration for me from, you know, we deserve to get a home draw against the league seed side, as far as I'm concerned. So we deserve the chance after the draw we've had. Um, to to make it into the major tournament, but it's just a case of it could be another hard luck story, and that's what I'm programmed, you know, to think about with yeah, Northern Ireland, with kinda. the Switzerland playoffs, with all the years before Euro 2016. Yeah. yeah. In terms of if if we do, if there are five teams in League B who don't qualify, and we are bumped up to League A, and say have Bulgaria at home, Israel at home, Romania at home. You back us all day to win that, don't you? Yeah, no, I yeah. definitely back us in those games. You know, it's obviously looking a lot more slim in terms of chances yeah. that we get that game. But if we were to get that, it would be a nice slice of luck that maybe we're we're due. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I mean, I'd love that game ideally, but just knowing the way we've had luck these days, it probably will be Bosnia away. Um, but I mean, there, it's the, the, this is a simple. It's one game, and then we're into the next stage, and then it's another game, and we could we could we could be at the Euros. Like mm-hmm. we still have a good chance of going to the Euros. Yeah. We, you know, everyone was kind of drawn in sorrows. Maybe who, you know, after we drew Germany and Holland, thinking we're not going to this major tournament. But there there is an opportunity there. It's a great opportunity. You know, I know mm-hmm. Bosnia's away, Bosnia away is tough, but it's still a great opportunity for us. That's what stands between us and another major tournament, which mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. incredible to say. Because mm-hmm. I mean, four years ago going to the Euros to go there again in another four years, like it's just mm-hmm. that's incredible. So yeah. Yeah, be positive, but I think is the way to, to look forward. Just uh, just a couple of things before we wrap up on the sort of playoff talk. Uh, it obviously, for some people who don't know, uh, it's a one-off match, so it's not a home and away, it's not two-legged, it is one-off, and it's a semi-final and a final. For the final, it, it the, the venue of the final is drawn before, so it's not there's no like seating. So obviously we'd be away to Bosnia because they are ranked above us in the Nations League, and for the semi-final, it's always the nation ranked ahead who has some advantage, but for the final, it's literally a coin toss. So, for example, uh, say we get drawn into League B, and it's Bosnia against us, and Wales against the Republic, and we beat Bosnia, where the venue of the match against the Wales of the Republic, the final, is done on a coin toss. So, potentially the Republic in Belfast. Yep. You know, Could be a Republic I mean, or Wales in Belfast, potentially. Th- to an extent, like, as much as that would be a class occasion, I think I, I don't think I can be bothered with a circus around it. I mean, you know that the media are going to be there sniping for any sign of of anything, and we don't, we don't want to talk about this stuff because it's a football podcast. But you just know there's going to be there's going to be some sort of maybe not physical trouble, but yeah. the, the headlines after it will, won't be about the football, and yeah. I don't want that, especially if we've qualified. Yeah, ultimately, yeah. I'd back us in either of those games. Wales at Wales at Windsor or Republic of, uh, Republic at Windsor. I yeah. I would back us in both those games from a purely footballing sense. Like I think we could have a go at those those teams and, and really win, mm-hmm. you know, and, and come out on top in those games. You know, obviously there's moments of quality in, in that Wales team. We talked about Gareth Bale before. Um, you know, we'd have to look out for things like that, of course. But at Windsor, I would definitely back us in in that final if that was a potential mm-hmm. final. Obviously, we're talking about permutations here, but yeah. you know, the, the the idea of Bosnia away and let's say Wales at home. Mm-hmm. 
being between us and the Euros, let's go for yeah. it. Let's 100%. go for that because we can win those two games 100%. Yeah. You know, even if it's wheels away, I, I still think we can go there. I know it's tricky in Cardiff, obviously, so. but we could still go there and do it. We're good enough know? to. Yeah. We're good enough to go to Wales and win. We're good enough to go to Dublin and win. As maybe as I've been slightly negative, we are good enough to go to Sarajevo and win. Yeah. yeah. Uh, other potential opponents uh, based on teams who might not qualify and who could be in our pathway uh, Sweden, Denmark, uh, Czech Republic. I mean, they're good nations, but I just wouldn't back against us in a one-off game. Yeah, it's mu- much of a muchness, I think, to like the likes of Bosnia, those sides, you know. Yeah. I think there, there's, again, moments of quality from the likes of Christian Eriksen from a Denmark or whatever, you know, similar to like a Pjanic. But yeah, I, I, w- I wouldn't look at those games and be extremely terrified or anything. No. You know, that's the kind of opponent you have to play if you want to go to the Euros, essentially. So Yeah, absolutely. Well, I hope I could do something to clear that up. I will put a, a Facebook post out tonight and maybe with, with writing and you can actually view the groups yourselves. You can actually see our chances a bit better. Yeah, you've been great with those posts. Those posts, yeah, they're very well written up. I have to say, so nice one. It's, it does explain much. it. Yeah, really it's, well. it's one of those things where you know, I study mathematics at Queen's, so I have to offer, I have to offer something to this page. <laughs> you know, something different. Journalists, will, you know, anyone can might write up a match report, do match updates, but that's my sort of niche. I enjoy permutations stuff like that, which is really sad. But you know, it's my thing. So, well, hey, it's it, it keeps everyone else in check. Anyway, it's, it's you've certainly educated me there tonight on it okay. because there's there's a lot of question marks for me over it as well. So it's it's one of those things. Where where there's a lot of processes happening and it does need a bit more a clear explanation Absolutely. i think you know and especially this one with with all the teams falling down and people being bumped up to different pathways and certainly requires a lot of thoughts so hopefully i've been able to explain it better well thank you very much for coming on we'll wrap it up there yeah that was a good podcast enjoyed that yeah a lot of, a lot of football to look forward to still and a lot more Absolutely. podcasts to look forward to as well spot on so we'll be back next month uh we play holland on the 16th of november and i think we go to frankfurt to play germany on the 19th so we'll we'll be back for a preview re- reaction podcast to that as well. Obviously, by the end of that, we will know who our opponent is in the uh, in the playoff. Uh, so we have more of a chat about that. And for the playoff, I mean, assuming there's not this not point not not one percent chance that we don't get there, uh, we will have obviously preview and review uh, uh, podcasts. I forgot yeah. the word there. Yeah, <laughs> uh, podcast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's We're a podcast, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so we'll be back for that. Well, thanks very much for all the support so far. I know I say this in every podcast, but yeah, I'm genuinely grateful for it. Thanks for everyone who's liked the Facebook page and uh, hopefully maybe some people who have come for the updates on the players and the updates on the permutations uh, will let's give the podcast a go and hopefully the word will spread further on that. But absolutely delighted with it so far. Um, so we are on Facebook as Spirit of 2016 Podcast on Twitter at Spirit of 2016 Pod. Uh, we're on Instagram as well, so just like the Facebook page, you'll keep getting those updates, and uh, and you'll see when the podcasts are uploaded as well, so you never miss a podcast from us. Uh, excuse me. <coughs> Thank you very much for listening tonight. Remember, this podcast is available on SoundCloud, Spotify, and iTunes, so whichever one suits you better there, uh, you can go onto that platform and use it. We're all on there. So thank you very much for listening and see you next month for the Holland Preview.